Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Let's give the Lord some praise today, all right? Lift the roof up, people. He's a loving, merciful God who deserves and inhabits the praises of his people. Man, I tell you what, give someone a high five and you can have a seat. All right, all right. So, last week we kicked off a brand new series. Uh, And when I say series, you wonder what a series is. It's a series of messages linked together. Here at Freedom Church, we have our high five values. Our existence is to reach people to know God. I talked about that last week. If anybody asks you, what's your church about? Why are you there? Why do you do what you do? We exist to reach people to what? To what? Know God. That's what we do. And we know that comes through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So last week what I talked about was, was high five value number one, which is everyone what? Reaching. And I will tell you right now, I've never witnessed a more comfortable generation of Christians as what's taking place in the U.S. right now. I've never witnessed it. It's amazing to me how people who profess Christ, been born again, can get so comfortable in their faith that they don't really care who dies and goes to hell and splits it wide open. But that's not y'all, is it? That's not this church, right? That's not this church, right? We're not going to be that church. Can I say, can you say that with me? We're not going to be that church. Say that with me. We're not going to be that church. We're not going to be God's people that's going to let other people go to hell, right? We're going to do everything we can do about it to reach people so that people don't have to experience what was never made for them, and that's a devil's hell. So, Hopefully, you are getting fired up about Easter. Five services, April 3rd is two at three and five. April 4th, there is three, nine, 11, and one. And there's a baptism at 7.30 that morning for those of you that know that your next step is baptism. So with that being said, that is a wonderful opportunity to reach somebody to know Jesus. So today, I want to move forward and talk about everyone growing. Say that with me, everyone growing. Say it again, everyone growing. Because we want you to be able to grow up in Christ. Now, here's what I know about things that grow. Sometimes things grow that you don't want it to grow. Because it aggravates the tar out of you. Just like this picture here. There's nothing that aggravates me anymore. And I think they're going to throw it up there. But anyway, they're going to put a picture in there for me. But here it is. How many of you, how many of you do absolutely despise this in your driveway? How many of you, I mean, it just really makes you so mad. You have to keep yourself from cursing. Don't raise your hand because everybody look at you. But that, that grass that grows up in the driveway, you didn't nourish it. You didn't do anything to it. It just appears itself. And what are you doing? You're running to be able to get something to kill it, some kind of weed killer. But here's what I know. Very few things grow automatically and without active consideration especially when it comes to being a Christian. You see, everyone growing, what we believe here in our church is we believe in learning to become like Jesus. You know, it's a great thing to be able to to have a great career and do really well with it and be the best you can be on your team. It's really great in your career. It's great to be best whenever your kids are in ball, or it's great to be really good to be your neighbor. But how we can accomplish everything is that we first get in our minds, once that we have faith in Christ, we are born again, is that we want to become like who? Jesus. That's who we want to become like. I remember when I got saved as a little boy, I was 12 years old at our church, and and. I'll never forget it. I was sitting in the back of the auditorium. I got under a state of conviction. I slipped out. I come up front, and I will say before I got there, because it was a position of the heart. You understand what I'm saying? I'll never forget that. But here's something, and not bringing reproach on my home church, but when I went back and sat down, I don't ever remember anybody coming to me and say, here's what you need to do to grow in your faith now. Now, does that make my home church a bad church? Absolutely not. Does that make them bad Christians? Absolutely not. But what we've got to do is be proactive that when someone comes to faith in Jesus, that we're doing what we can do to help them to grow up 
in Jesus because before you come to the cross, the devil's got you where he wants you. You see what I'm saying? He's got his web woven around you. But when you come to faith in Jesus, all of a sudden the devil doesn't like it. So he's going to do everything he can do to throw sticks and stones at you. That's what he does. One, two, three, the devil's after me. Four, five, six, he's always throwing sticks. Seven, eight, nine, he misses every time. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Nine, eight, seven, we're on our way to heaven. Six, five, four, my cup is running. Or three, two, one, the devil's on the run. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. It's a good song. It just kind of popped in my mind from when I was a kid. Hope you liked it. I enjoyed it. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey. Say obey. Obey. All the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is known as the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. The three participles of the Great Commission is go, baptize, and teach. We're to go and reach people like I talked about last week. But once this someone is reached, then they begin that journey of next steps. And the next steps once you come to Christ is to be like Christ. Romans 8 and 29 says, For God knew His people in advance. And he chose them to become like his son. God wants me and you, after we come to faith and salvation in Jesus, is to become like his son, Jesus Christ. That was God's plan from the beginning for you and for me, that we develop Jesus' character, that you and I be God's people to where that we think like Jesus, we act like Jesus, and we want to be able to have Jesus' values in our life. So that's where once that you come to faith in Christ, then you have a next step's direction of what you do to be able to grow. And one of the very first things that I want to talk to you about is baptism. Because baptism is your first opportunity to be obedient after your salvation experience. You say, what do you mean? Basically, when I'm talking about that, it's just like your ball team. It shows who you're pulling for when you put on the jersey. You see what I'm saying? That's kind of like me. When I'm going to get baptized, man, the opportunity that I have is to be able to show people who that I am pulling for. So whenever I get baptized, I'm showing the world around me that I am pulling for Jesus. You see what I'm saying? That's what I'm doing. I'm pulling for Christ. And I have the opportunity to people say, this is who I am and this is who I'm pulling for. You see what I'm saying? So the question is, have you put on the jersey through baptism? You say, what do you mean by that? I'm talking about everybody in your circle of life, you have the opportunity to invite them to your baptism. What happened in your soul was salvation between you and Jesus. But when you go public with it and you get in the jacuzzi for Jesus, then all of a sudden you get to tell everybody around you who you're pulling for, what team you're on. you got salvation. You're going to heaven. You get to tell people people that by putting on the jersey. Let me ask this. If you have been baptized through this ministry of Freedom Church since you've been here, would you just stand for a minute? Stand up for a minute. If you've been baptized since you've been at Freedom Church, stand up right where you are. Remain standing for me. Okay. Remain standing for me. Okay. I want everybody else, and I'm not trying to make it sound weird, but I want everybody else that's seated, that's seated, seated. That's a Tennessee word. You look it up in a Tennessee dictionary. Everybody else look at them and say, thank you for being obedient together. Thank you for being obedient. You can be seated. Thank you so, so much. God bless you. Tell you what baptism does. Baptism makes a statement. Just like me wearing this jersey right here. If I wear this jersey out in public and people see Christ and and they see my name, they're going to say, you know what, there's a good chance that guy right there is hooked up with Jesus. A good chance that guy right there would tell us that he's a, a Christian. And see, it shows who I'm pulling for, what team I'm on. Some of you here have experienced God's forgiveness. You've experienced God's grace through Christ. You you know that you've been born again. You know that you have salvation, but maybe you haven't put on the jersey of baptism for whatever reason. It might be that 
You just haven't really thought about how important it is. Romans 6 and 4 says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So we're to be baptized. So I ask you today, what's stopping you from going public with baptism as your next step of obedience after salvation? What's stopping you from making a statement? Is it fear? Is it some kind of lack of understanding? Is it where that you don't see the need to it? Or maybe you've just been simply procrastinating doing it. I'll tell you what to do. It'll make an awesome statement. But I'll tell you something else I love about baptism. It tells a story. It tells a story. Just like my wedding ring that I wear here, it represents a story of Shannon and I's love for one another. The, the two of us became one. See, you, you can't see commitment necessarily, but commitment starts in the heart. You know, and so you want people to be able to know the commitment, so that's why that I wear my ring. Now, if I take my wedding ring off, I am no longer married, right? I can go out catting, right? No, I ain't going to go out catting. I'm going to get killed, and I ain't going to say whose name is it's going to kill me. But anyway, I'm just cutting up, but Here's the point I want to make. When I, this wedding ring right here of mine is an, is an outward symbol of an inward commitment that I made to my wife September 16th, 1989 at 6.30 o'clock in the evening, 31 years ago. And it's just like baptism. Whenever you get saved and you give your life to Christ, He has forgiven you of your sins. You got your name written in His book in heaven then you go public with that, and that is the outward symbol of the inward commitment that you made to Jesus. From the very time that I was so blessed that my wife flagged me down and wanted to go for a ride in my 1975 Triumph Spitfire, till now, we've been celebrating a love story. Sometimes you celebrate a love story when other people see you in love and say, you know, I'd like to have a love story like that. And that's what this ring I wear represents. It's a beautiful love story of love and commitment that Shannon and I have to one another. And I want you to know that when you come to Jesus, it's a beautiful love story. Baptism is a beautiful love story that you share with other people. That's between you and God. Baptism is that beautiful story that you don't want to keep to yourself. You want to share it with other people. Now, you might, some people, they thought, and I've been asked over the years, why did Jesus get baptized? Well, I mean, if he's the son of God and he's supposed to be sinless, why did he get baptized? Because he sinned? No, no, no. <laughs> it was a big deal that Jesus got baptized because it was an example of obedience to his heavenly father. He wanted to make his daddy proud, so he made a statement because it was telling a story. Now, I ask you today to obey God. Is baptism your next step? Is it your next step? Because we have the opportunity to be able to do that on Easter Sunday morning, April 4th, this year, 2021. Some of you might be thinking, well, Pastor, I was sprinkled. Well, the true example is as Jesus did it, is to dip under. The Greek word baptizo means you go under. That is the true Example that even Jesus Christ, the Son of God, gave to us. And, and I want you to understand that so many people say, well, Pastor, you don't understand my situation. I got baptized as an infant. My parents took me to a baptism as a baby. And if I do this and I go public with this thing you're talking about, I'm going to upset my parents. Listen, your parents did what they thought was best for you when you were a baby. Now you're building on that to complete that faith. They did what was best for you then. You're doing what's best for you now. So I want to challenge you in that. Sign up for that. At the end of this service, I want to challenge you to put your name down on the card. Drop it in the bucket. Those of you watching online, maybe you weren't be able, to, able to be able to be here today. I want to challenge you. Send us an email or sign up there on the, on the whatever platform that you're watching. I want to challenge you to do that. Because it's so important. Because getting baptized may end up being uncomfortable for some people. But just imagine how it has the opportunity to touch someone else's life that's in your circle of life that you'd love to know that they know the love of Jesus. 
So it says here in Ephesians 4 and 15, it says, so instead we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Did you hear that? More and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Now let me ask this question. How many of you here have children? Raise your hand. It doesn't matter for grown Everybody, wow, a lot of people's got kids. Wow, that's awesome. How many of you've got more than five? Wow, you guys have been busy. Wow. Anyway, I'll just move on. Um, you think about this. When you have kids, wouldn't it be so devastating if your kids never grew up? I mean, if they never developed it and they never matured and they never grow, man, that would be so sad. And that's the same thing God wants for his children. He wants us to be able to grow up. Sometimes people, they tell me, say, Pastor, you don't understand. I can't help but cuss. I can't help but throw fits. I can't, I'm an addict to this and I can't seem to kick it. Or I've been abusive because I was abused as a child. Or, or Pastor, you don't understand. There's times that I'm, I'm negative or I've got bad habits. Or Pastor, you don't understand. I'm a person that lusts or I'm a person that has a bad attitude. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me closely. Understand what I'm going to tell you. Some people tell me that's just the way I am. I'm sorry to bust your Bible, friend, but... That's the way you choose to be. You make those choices. That's why it's so important that we understand that we need to grow more and more in our relationship with Jesus. Because you, you, your owner is going to get changed. What you're wanting to do, which is right, is going to get changed to what he wants you to do, not what your flesh wants you to do, see? So important to understand. That's why when, it, when you think about wanting to feel better and you go to the doctor and they think you're in bad shape, they tell you you need to do diet and exercise. Well, I look at that spiritually. That's what we do, diet and exercise Christians. Now, I want you to know that next week I'm going to talk more about the spiritual exercise next week. But today when you think about the diet that God wants us to be able to have, when you are called a disciple, you are a learner and learning about Jesus and how to grow in Jesus. That means you are a student of his word. And it's not going to happen overnight. God's not going to zap you and all of a sudden you're just like Jesus. No, it doesn't work like that in your life. It is a process that I want you to understand that takes an entire lifetime to be able to become like Jesus Christ and his attributes and his character. How does a person really grow to be like Jesus? I'm glad you asked that question. That's <laughs> what we're going to talk about. It. It, it's, it, we're looking at the, what we call the freedom diet. It's, it, our services here, I want you to know about these services. They just don't happen. We have a collective amount of people, including myself, that puts hundreds of collective hours together to be able to pull off what God is doing in this service together. And we let the Holy Spirit lead us in how we're doing. If God wants to change something, He's going to change it. We're like that. So I want you to take very serious, like you're doing, being at church, being here on time. Know that we have age-appropriate teaching for our kids back there and getting ready for Sunday and, and be excited about what God is doing. If you're on the iCampus right right now. You're on the iCampus for one of two reasons. You're either a long ways away or you're checking us out for the first time. Or maybe I'll throw in a third, you're kind of scared of what's going on with the virus thing, rightly so. But listen, you cannot have kononia, that is fellowship and community, unless you're in the community physically. You follow what I'm saying? So we want to invite you to come here. We have plenty of space to spread out, and I want to invite you. Don't let the enemy give you excuses that cheats you out of what God wants to do in the fellowship, okay? I want to challenge you in that. would love to have you to be a part. Hebrews 10, 25 says, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm not going to be some people. Tell them that. Some people neglect it. Say, I'm not going to neglect it, and, but I want to encourage one another. That's what God wants us to do is to encourage one another. How many of you know that when you go out next week, there's a good chance something's going to happen that's going to discourage you? Raise your hand. Yes, that's all of us. That's why we need encouragement from one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We all need that. But also we need spiritual disciplines in our lives. Now here's something I'm willing to do. I was talking about a diet a while ago, physically, physical diet. How many of you have ever tried a physical diet before with food and stuff like that? Raise your hand. Tell you what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to help you with a six-in-one diet. 
And what I'm willing to do, after the second service today, I will buy you a meal anywhere in this town, if you give me your word, that you will not eat anything till I take you to the next meal at this time next week. Any takers? I'll buy it. I don't care if it's steak, shrimp, surf, and turf, you name it, we'll do it. You're saying, you're crazy, Pastor. It's not possible to do this six-in-one diet. I would die. And that's exactly what's going to happen to you spiritually. If you come in here and get one meal that I serve up, and you never put on spiritual disciplines in your life every day of your life, you're going to dry up spiritually in your life life. I want you to understand that. It's so important that you understand that. And when you look at spiritual difference, it's just like the Word of God. If you don't have a Bible, we will give you one. I read the NLT Bible and other versions. And one pastor said, if you'll read any version, it'll get you to heaven. <laughs> People get caught up in versions, you know. <laughs> the, the truth transforms you when you apply it to your life. After you read it, you memorize it, you meditate on it. It's so important that you understand that. Then you pray each day of your life. You pray, get your journal, write down your praises and prayers and, and spend time privately with God before you hit the world that's publicly sometimes going to attack you in your life. Also fasting. You say, now nah, you're barking up a wrong tree, Pastor. No, listen to me. You fast whenever you're facing a big decision. You fast whenever you're facing some major life dilemma. You fast like we're challenging the church to do two weeks leading up to Easter. If we do it collectively together with this fast, we're going to be able to give you some information to be able to do that we see people's chains broken, that they're in bondage, where that the devil has got them, and we want to see them come to Jesus. Listen to what Hebrews 5 says. Listen to what the writer here says. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are, what's that word? Mature. Who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Now, man, I tell you what, I've had people over the years in our church family come to me, well, pastor, you're just not feeding me. I'm just not getting anything out of it, pastor. Pastor, you, it's just not working for me. Have you learned to feed yourself? I can look at some of them, they come to me, and I can tell that they are eating really good physically, and they're healthy in that manner, but they're not healthy spiritually. They've not went from milk to meat. They are just pot-bellied, obese Christians, and they go high chair on us. You say, what do you mean? Well, they go over here, and they get in their high chair, just like it's right here. They get in their high chair, they get on their little bib, and they get their little thing out here, and feed me, feed me, pastor! I need to go deeper, Pastor. <laughs> pastor, I need more worship. Feed me, Daddy. Feed me, Mama. I need to go deeper. Feed me. They go from the high chair to the eye chair. I want to go deeper. I want more worship. I want someone to teach me the Bible. I, 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 I. You know what the center letter of sin is? Say it. Listen, you got to get off the milk if you ever want to grow in God's Word and grow in God, or you're going to be all messed up your entire life as a Christian. You're going to be jumping from church to church to church to church and blaming everybody else instead of looking in the mirror at the person that you brush your teeth and look at. Every day. That's what ends up happening. And it's sad. Spiritual maturity, when you grow, is a not about me and it's not about you. It's when you become others centered. Also, to be able to grow as other disciples. If you know somebody that's on the road a little further than you, say, hey, can I hang out with you? Can I follow you? Can I do life with you? 
It's not just going to Starbucks and getting a latte and looking at the Bible for 30 minutes. No, no, that's a great thing. But sometimes it's just about following other disciples that's been down the road a little bit further than you've been down the road. It's just like our moms. Our moms give us care. They gave us attention. They gave us instructions. Everyone needs that same thing when it comes to spiritual things. And we grow best when we're connected to one another and to other disciples in relationships. That's why that you hear us talk about connection groups all the time. I love our connection group. Our men's connection group grew so much that we went from one to three groups of men growing in God. And I love that. It is amazing to be able to do that together. So that's your freedom diet. There's freedom ministries that we have. We have Pathway to Freedom going on right now. Today is 201. The 101 is talking about who we are as a church, our belief, our foundations, and who we are, where we come from, where we're going, the foundations of who we are as a church. 201 is just simply talking about how even more so you can grow in God. The next class is all about the gifts that you have, that God wants to use those gifts on others, and we begin to grow in that. The fourth class is simply helping you to know how to share your faith, because that's one of the things that the church is failing in, and I don't know if it's being taught enough, but being able to equip all of everybody to be able to tell the story that happened in your heart. That's what's it's just vital that we share with another. It's just like one beggar telling another beggar where to get a piece of bread. It's so, so vital and important. Now, understand what I'm telling you here. There's FC Kids. Man, let's give God praise for all those wonderful volunteers that's serving over there and our staff that's serving FC Kids. I'm talking about getting some foundation with the little ones. Let's give God praise for what happens with Freed Student Ministry on Wednesday night and all those that help serve in that ministry. Give God praise for that. There's a lot more ministry we do. We have outreach ministries, care and prayer ministries, a lot of different things that we do that you can get involved in. But here's where I'm going to wrap us and, and, and to land this plane on the last part of this. God uses the Bible. He uses our services. He uses prayer. He uses other Christians to grow your life in Jesus. But listen to this verse here, Romans 8 and 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about that includes bad things. That includes good things. That includes painful things. That includes the things that we do when we make mistakes and we sin in our life. So, not only does God use those things, but I want to share with you three unexpected ways that God uses the life of Jesus to help us in our life as we live our life for Jesus now. And first and foremost, God uses trouble to teach us to trust Him. So, what do you mean, Pastor? Look at Romans 5 here. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. See, God's a whole lot more interested in your character in His Son than He is in your career in this life. You say, why is that? Because it's your character in Jesus Christ is what's going to get you through this life. You follow what I'm saying? A lot of people say, why me, Lord? What did I ever do? And they stay there. They stay there. I, sometimes I, I'm going to say, why me, Lord? You're going to say, why me, Lord? But it's in that moment that God is using that trouble for you to understand that this is not heaven here, and it never will be heaven. Every problem that I face and you face has a purpose, whether you believe it or not. It doesn't matter if it's caused by yourself, caused by someone else, or caused by Satan himself. Its purpose is to make your life like Jesus. Its purpose is to help your character have the character of Jesus Christ. Imagine Jesus. All the good that he does after he's baptized. In three years, he does all this great good. But he finds himself in Gethsemane on a night. And he takes three of his buddies. One's gone. It spent three years gone to be able to basically stab him in the back. He takes eight of the disciples on the outside of the garden. He takes Peter, James, and John on the inner side of the garden. And he says, pray with me. I, I'm in distress. I'm having a tough time. And he lays himself prostrate before God and begins to pray. He said, you think about Jesus. Would Jesus trust God in this moment? 
for God's best for his life, even if it, if it was going to cause a painful, excruciating death of Jesus, was he really going to trust his father? Mark 14 says, they went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass by. You notice something here? Jesus needed friends when he was facing those troubles and trials. That's why I emphasize to you so much in, in being a part of a group of people that love Jesus. That's why we talk about those connection groups so much. Nobody in this life is supposed to go through troubles alone. Even Jesus, according to this word that I'm reading right here, even Jesus needed friends. Abba Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done. Not mine. Let me say this to you. It is okay to say, God, I don't like this. God, please take it away. But we must learn to say this. However, God, whatever you think is best for me. Why is this happening to me, God? I don't understand why I got served divorce papers. I was trying my best as a wife. Y'all don't understand. I gave 20 years to the company. And they bring in all these new people. And they let me go. Why is it, God? I've tried to exercise. I've tried to eat right. tried to take care of myself the best I can. And my doctor just told me I have cancer. Why, God? Why is this happening to me? God has given you an opportunity, no matter what you're facing, to trust him through the trial. You've always got to remember there's a reward on the other side. Look what it says here in 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Forever. Our times are going to be erased always with eternal glory for God's children. So God's going to use those troubles but also God is going to use temptation to teach us to obey. You say, what do you mean, pastor? Temptations are situations that are designed by the enemy that is intended to be able to harm us. That's what temptation is about there. God never tempts us, but he will use, God will use Satan's temptations for God in our lives. You say, why? That's just not true. Yes, it is. Temptation always provides a choice for you and a choice for me. Jesus faced temptation, yet he never sinned. He began his ministry at the age of 30. John the Baptist baptizing him in the Jordan River. God the Father was present. The Holy Spirit come up on him in the form of the dove. And God the Father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is thrust into the desert. It goes there for 40 days to be tempted. It says in Matthew 4 there, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. See, when you study Jesus' temptations, it reminds us that it's not a sin that you are tempted. Everyone is tempted because you're not, and it's not because you're a bad person, it's because you're a person and you get tempted. I'll never forget one time. My oldest daughter, Lily, she is coloring, and for some reason, she just kept sticking the crayon up in her nose. And I said, Lily, I don't know what's tempting you to stick this crayon in your nose, but if you keep sticking this crayon in your nose, it's not going to go good for you. 
Well, she kept sticking the crayon in her nose, and it did not go good for her. She crammed it so far up in there, we had to take her to the doctor to be able to get the crayon out. Crying and screaming and whatever it was, had to take her to the doctor. Sometimes you're tempted to do stupid things. Sometimes you're tempted to do things you think is a great thing. But when you're tempted to go in any direction apart from God, it's not a good thing. Temptation provides us as human beings with a choice in that moment to do right or to do wrong. That's what it provides us. Remember this, you'll never grow out of temptation. I don't care how physically old that you get, and I don't care how spiritual you think you are. You're never going to grow beyond being tempted as long as you draw a breath in this human body. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 10 of Matthew 4. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the Scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Jesus is, is teaching us here in His experience that every temptation has an opportunity to do good and always, 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 look at the person next to you and say always, make the right choice. Temptations will always test you as to whether you love God more or you love that temptation and the direction more. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life covers all temptations. Those are what Jesus was tested in. But it's all about obedience. Choosing to say yes to God is a matter of your love for God. You got to keep your thoughts always focused on good thoughts. Temptation always starts in the mind, getting your attention. It wants to get you, and when it gets you, you have been got. You need to, if you're having a tough time, I would advise you to get a spiritual accountability partner. No one likes to talk about their temptations, though. I don't need to tell anybody about my temptations. Listen, they got temptations too. Their jaw might drop over yours. But don't never let them think that your jaw might drop when they tell you yours. You get somebody you can trust. You get somebody that you know that you can open up to that's going to lift each other up. And you go to them and you talk about those things. You encourage one another. Hold each other accountable. What temptation are you facing right now that God can use as you choose to obey Him as an opportunity to grow you in Jesus. What is it? What is it? Are you making excuses for your sins? God loves to forgive and I love to sin. <laughs> Thank God for His grace. I hear that so much and it makes me ah. Taking a little money from the cash register. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I take a little bit because my husband left me and I got two kids and we're having a tough time. God understands. Does He? Well, you don't understand, Pastor. We're going to get married, and I don't see anything wrong, Pastor, with having some premarital sex. It's okay. We're getting married anyway. Is, is, is it okay with God? Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I had an abusive childhood, God, and I do resort to, to being addicted to these things, and sometimes I go back to it to just try to numb the situation. Is that okay with God, or can God help you with that situation? God will help you when you make the right choice. So God uses trouble to teach us to trust Him. God uses temptation to teach us to obey Him. But one more thing I want to share with you. God uses trespasses to teach us to forgive. Trespasses are designed by other people to hurt us. That's why they spend time thinking about it. Don't think you hadn't spent time on thinking about how you couldn't hurt somebody else that hurt you deeply. Every one of us in this room, if you're honest, I believe you could tell me how you thought and designed in your mind how you could hurt someone that's already previously brought such pain to you. Yes, people want to hurt us on purpose. You think about the Lord's Prayer and what it says. It says, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
The last part we don't like to recite too well. We definitely don't like to apply it to our lives. It's one thing to pastor to handle trouble and temptation, but you're talking about somebody who's hurt me. You're talking about somebody who has inflicted pain in my life. You're talking about someone who has come at me, and you're telling me, Pastor, that I don't have to have, I shouldn't have any retaliation for one of the most difficult things I've went through. That most difficult thing you've went through is what God wants to use when you don't retaliate. Growing to be like Jesus, any one of us, it will always involve involving your life being misunderstood. It's going to involve times that you're criticized, that you're judged, Sometimes you're physically hurt. Other times you're not only emotionally, and, but you're verbally abused. Look at Matthew 27 here. When Jesus was on the cross, look what it says. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. He's, remember, he's a dying man here. These are supposed to be God's people, especially the Pharisees walking by. It says the elders also mocked Jesus. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. What was Jesus' response? Did he do like his disciples says, should we call fire down and call it and just blow them all up, Lord Jesus? One time when they wasn't receiving Jesus over in Samaria. <laughs> Did Jesus want to call down fire? He could have called down 12 legions of angels at any point in time and, and got out of there, but he didn't do it. What, what was Jesus' response to these ugly, filthy, talking, mean-spirited, hurtful, painful people, especially the ones that said they were supposed to be God's people. What was his response? Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. So he endured the pain, he absorbed the hurts, and what did he do? Jesus responded, good for evil. That's what Jesus did. Some of you are thinking, that's really cool, Pastor. <laughs> but I'm not Jesus. That's what you were thinking. I'll get pushed back on this. I'm not Jesus, Pastor. However, you have the opportunity, and I have the opportunity, to become like Jesus and to grow up spiritually and be more like Jesus. We have to learn the same thing together as we're growing. Once again, this isn't heaven, and I promise you, you're going to get hurt. Everybody sins and hurts other people. It happens sometimes intentionally, other times it's unintentionally. Hurts are loud in your life. Listen to this. Hurts are loud in your life to make you like Jesus. You probably don't like that unexpected way. If you're going to become like Jesus, you have to learn to forgive. And you might be thinking right now, but how do I do it? You don't understand my situation, Pastor. You've got to remember, God has forgiven me. God has already forgiven you. Ephesians 4 and 32, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. God will never ask you to forgive any more than what he's already forgiven you. Being hurt by someone may be meant for bad, but our great God can use it in any of our lives for his glory and your good. There's two things that I know for sure. One is your greatest testimony as a believer, and you listen to me closely. Your greatest testimony as a believer is how you're going to handle the hurts in this life. I've been a pastor of this church for, for, will be now, just over now, 20, 19 years, facing 20 of this church. You wouldn't believe how many people I've seen come and go because of hurts. And it's so, so sad. So I want to ask you to grow up in that area. How you respond to how people hurt you, do you respond like you? Or do you respond like Jesus? You're most like Jesus when you suffer in order to save others. Let me ask you this question. Who do you need to forgive today? Who do you need to forgive? God is going to take you through Gethsemane. 
You say, what do you mean, Pastor? God is going to take you through an experience of some kind of trouble that you're going to learn to trust him even when the trouble comes. It's going to happen. It happened to Jesus. We're no better than him. God may take you through the desert. And you're going to go through and you're going to experience some temptations that's going to challenge you to obey God and do what's right. But also God will take you to the cross so you can die out to you and come alive in Jesus. The time of trespass that comes into your life to be able to learn to forgive. There's one promise that I know that I can expect and that you can expect. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, listen closely to this last sentence. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. You're going to share his glory? You're going to share in suffering. That's a promise to expect. So what kind of attitude do we have when we're facing this life, when we're facing trouble, we're facing temptation, we're facing trespasses and people hurting us? There's only one attitude to have. Philippians 2 and 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Here's what I know. Every one of us have the opportunity to grow. To not be like me, but to be like Jesus. And I promise you the evidence of that in your life will be a great witness to those out there who continually watch us every day. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we love you so much and we praise you and thank you, God, that after we give our lives to you, we have the opportunity to become like your son. God, I pray right now for every person under the sound of my voice in this auditorium or that may be watching us via the internet. God in heaven right now, Lord. Bless their life, God. I pray for every Christian, God, Lord, that they, not will, they will not be found making excuses, God, but they're going to be looking to you to grow every day more and more like your son, Jesus. I want to ask you a question. Has God convicted you about something so that you can move in your life spiritually to be more like Jesus. Would you just lift your hand real high all across the auditorium? There's changes I need to make. God bless you. I see the hands going up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. Father, right now, God, for those, God, who you've touched their heart, bless them, God, with strength and boldness to grow more and more in love with you every day, to shun the appearances, God, of those temptations to be able to understand how to deal with trouble and to be able to forgive when the trespasses and hurts come bless them Jesus some of you may be listening here today online or you may be in this auditorium and I talked about being obedient the obedience of baptism after your salvation the very first step of obedience is giving your life to Jesus Maybe right now, he's pounding your heart, wanting in it right now. You feel it. You know it. You're not where you need to be with God. Listen to me. You can't be the man or the woman. You can't be the husband or the wife. You can't be the mom or the dad. You can't be the son or the daughter. You can't be the business owner. You can't be the neighbor. You can't be the student until you know your maker, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for you. You want to be the best in those areas and much more? Then give your life to Jesus. Right now, if you feel him tugging on your heart, just invite him in your heart right now and just tell him, say, Lord, I want to invite you in. I need you as my Savior. You pray to him. Your prayer can reach the throne room when you're coming to him under conviction of the Spirit of God. Ask him, 
Say, Lord, accept me as your own. I asked you, Lord, as you've come into my life, I believe that you're real. I believe that you're true. I believe you died for me. You rose for me. Just tell them, say, Lord, I want to confess all my sins to you. Please, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Tell them, say, Lord, would you save me? My life is yours. I give it to you wholeheartedly. I want to live for you. You've prayed that and you meant that. The peace of Almighty God and joy and purpose will come into your soul and light you up that you're going to want to tell somebody. I want to know that today. I want you to let me know that today. I'm going to be running around out here. Father, we love you and we praise you and thank you for this day. God, I pray for every Christian that they grow and become like you. Find us faithful, God, and be the family you want us to be in the areas especially of trouble and, and temptations and, and trespasses, God. May we grow in those areas like your son gave us an example. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give our great God some praise, church, all right? everyone thanks for joining us today online we know that you weren't able to join us in the auditorium but that's totally fine because you've made this a priority in your life to make sure that you are receiving God's Word if you received Christ for the first time today that's absolutely awesome but we want to know about it so if you can if you're on Facebook in the description there's a link go ahead and hit that and fill it out uh, on our connection card that you receive Christ if you're on our website if you're on an app hit the menu at the top and you can do the same thing from there so if you're already on the connection card, you probably are noticing some other next steps that might be interesting to you. If you are interested in any one of those, just check those and when you submit that, it'll inform us and we can be in contact with you to answer any questions that you may have about those next steps. So this is the time of our service where we're gonna jump into our giving. At Freedom Church, we believe that you can't outgive God. This is just another act of worship where we trust God with what he has blessed us with. If you're on Facebook, again, in the description, there's a link there. You can give securely, safely on the website and the app. Also in that menu, you can see a place to do that as well. But just because we're in the, the time of technology doesn't mean you can't do it the old-fashioned way. There is an address at the bottom of the screen that you can send it to, and it'll, come, it'll show up safe as well. Or just drop it by the office anytime Monday through Thursday between 8 and 5, and we will receive it. Other than that, you have a great day.